The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Friday, March 27th. We are uh, less than a, theoretically less than a month out from the NFL draft. Free agency is, uh, has made its way through the, the primary filters, and now we just talk about Tom Brady every day for the next six months until football actually comes back to do that. By the way, you can subscribe, rate, and review, of course. Uh, leave a five-star review if, if you have a question for any guest, for any of the hosts, the super friends, for, uh, or any about any team in free agency or a draft question, let us know on there. Or you can just ask for quarantine games, quarantine drinking games. If you need those, we'll give you those too. Uh, but joining us now to talk about free agency, a good friend of the show. I think if I have this correct. You were on the, uh, the first week that we fired at the show. Uh, good buddy of mine, Dan Hansis from NFL Media. NFL Network and uh, the Around the NFL podcast. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. What is hey. happening? Uh, we didn't get to hang out at the Combine. As it turns out, maybe it was fortuitous. The the guy who brought Corona to uh, Raleigh and to Wake County <laughs> flew through the airport the day I would have been flying to the Combine. Wow. Yeah. So. Caught a break there. Maybe. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, I enjoy the combine, um, as much as anybody. It's, it's a fun event. Um, this year, and I don't want to make you feel bad, uh, Will, but this year, maybe it was like the idea that Corona was just in the air or whatever, but the coaches went nuts. They really cut loose this year in Indy at all the places that we know, Prime Steakhouse, um, all the different, uh, locations in and around Indy. Um, they had some fun. I have stories that I'll have to keep with me forever and share it privately, but wow. won't be able to tell you in this particular setting. Uh, so I think the coaches had some fun before we all had to go underground potentially forever. Yeah, that's right. Um, and how are, uh, you're out in California, LA, um, by the NFL studios. How is, uh, are you, are you closer to, you know what they, uh, what do they say? Like, we're going to see like birth rates skyrocket and uh, divorce rates skyrocket. So are you closer to another child or are you closer <laughs> to child, uh, child alimony payments? Yeah, it's definitely not closer <laughs> to another child, not anywhere close to another child because uh, I have a, I have two boys, five years old and three years old. And this, you know, they have taken over. This yeah. has been, uh, it, it must be great to be that young and not have to deal with any of the real world concern and anxiety around what's going on. 
but then just essentially be on vacation with your parents who, you know, are the two coolest people in your life. Uh, so they, they're just relentless in their, uh, quest to have fun. And as a dad, as you know, Will, they, they go to you to keep the entertainment value going. So it has been a challenge day after day. Um, you're used to it on the weekend and that's Saturday, Sunday, it's the private time, uh, the, the quiet time and the family time is great. But then it's cool when you get back to Monday and there's some space. It's relentless right now. So my wife and I, you know, there's no baby making going on. Put it that way. Uh, and <laughs> and we, we are, um, we get along very well, Emily and I, uh, in general. But there is some sniping that happens, too, just because there's a lot of pressure inside the house. And then there's just that anxiety that we all feel. Uh, it's just a very – this is – Will, these are unprecedented times. I mean – it's never happened before. Again. It's literally I know. never happened. We know now. We know now that we're in the middle of something big, something life changing, something that could change the world forever, our lives forever, our generation. Um, but the scary thing to me, and I'm going to try not to pass out because when I think about this too much, I feel like it gets me sick, is that we don't know how big this really is yet. Yep. Like, is this what it is right here? Or is this just the beginning of something else? Will, let's talk about football, man. I'm, I'm with you. We try not to start every – by the way, I would point out that we recorded this at like 2 o'clock uh, Eastern time on a Thursday. Uh, when I walked upstairs, my son was in his pajamas uh, on the couch watching he, – he, he ate some blueberries. He did a bunch of schoolwork. We did some creative time. Uh, so he was getting his well-deserved YouTube time, and he was watching 153 Ways for Mario to Die. <laughs> sure. Uh, my wife came downstairs. She's like, I thought you said you were watching. I was like, I, you know, I got nothing. All the uh, screen, all the screen time rules are going out the window and every parent knows it. There's no judging going on anywhere. Absolutely. You make it yeah. to lunch with no screen time and you're a, you're a damn hero is what it is. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, let's, let, let, let's hope, I hope that we are not worried about whether, about what is going to be happening in, in the future beyond, like, I, I hope football season, like the, I hope football season is the normalcy, and that's why I don't even mind that the NFL is going to do the draft the way that they're going to do it. And I didn't mind that the NFL did free agency the way that they did it. Like, I think everybody needed some normalcy. There was no other sports going on. You know, people can watch all the throwback games they want to, but like at some point, having this NFL distraction that everybody was sort of focusing in on, I think was a beneficial thing. I hope. I mean, do you do you you know not that you as an employee of the NFL would have a problem with anything the NFL does? But oh, never. Yeah, but like, don't you think keeping the timeline the same is kind of a good thing? I am with you, and I think there was significant pushback on the start of the league year and free agency. And I give uh, Goodell credit for kind of sticking to his guns. I think I find it interesting the news that came out this week that the large majority of general managers are pushing for the draft to be moved from April 23rd uh, because you know these are huge investments being made in these players financially, personnel-wise, uh, and right now, again, Goodell is, is, is sticking firm. That one, to me, seems like something that deserves a closer look. With the start of the league year, the idea of pushing it back a week or two, I mean, what was that going to change? Because we were just getting into whatever this is. But with the, the draft, it makes sense. I mean, you, you've thrown out pro days. You take all your scouts off the road. Um, you unable to have any type of player visits or any type of – um, in-person contact with your personnel, uh, even if the obviously the video capabilities have come a long way in recent years. Uh, so I kind of get that. Then, the, then I was thinking, all right, Goodell and the NFL, are, they're standing strong on the draft right now, but they've already pulled it out of Vegas. So 
the gears of the machine have really already ground to a halt. So it seems like it'd be an easy thing to push back if they wanted to, even, you know, week before. I mean, since it's, there's no actual physical event. It's probably going to be Rich Eisen in a studio, maybe with Daniel Jeremiah there, maybe via TVU, right. whatever it is. Like that's, and then like, I mean, honestly, though, if it's anything like, and I would guess that it is because it won't be on site. If it's, if it's like what we do at CBS as, you know, you guys have the rights and you can air the, the actual draft being done. But when there's no actual draft to air, right. I would guess they're going to be dragging you guys in, the, the around the NFL guys. Uh, in. Oh, don't say that, Will. Don't give them any ideas. That's a great idea. You guys well, do that's, a, a four it's panel. Also, I know, you but it's also, time out, you know? it's my 40th birthday. It just so happens well, that, that day. I, so. You know, I forgot that because, uh, you, you and my, your birthday is the same as my wife's birthday is there's somebody else who has a, Some, uh, Mark Sessler's wife has the Sessler's same birthday wife. as me as right. well. Yes. And birth year. So she's also turning 40. Like I wouldn't mind just pushing it back a week. You know, my birthday's already shot. The wife was planning some type of event potentially, um, uh, for 40th. So that's wiped away so that I don't need to be, uh, you know, doing video Skype conferences with Daniel Jeremiah on my birthday. I'd rather have a couple of whiskeys and seven Tito's and sodas and watch 30 rock or something. That would be fine for me. That actually sounds pretty normal. Uh, your, your wife, did you see the guy that his parents dressed up as uh as bar as a bouncer and a bartender for his he he was in quarantine <laughs> on his twenty first birthday, and so he couldn't go out. So his dad dressed up in like aviators and had like <laughs> and had like an ID check on. Is and he came up to the back of the house, the guest house, and like and like they ran him through. And his his mom like served in bartending. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool thing. There's at least some positive moments coming out of this. Let's get let's talk yeah. let's talk football though. Uh, and we'll get to the Jets and the draft in just a second. But, um, you know, the part of the reason why I, I wanted to have you on is, is not just the Jets stuff. I think the Jets are an interesting team this year, but this is not the most interesting year of the Jets. Uh, Tom Brady, however, you have on multiple occasions and there's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit to a degree, but you have staked your claim on the Tom Brady is washed. The Patriots dynasty is dead, uh, mountaintop. It, it, alone on this hill, uh, seven yeah. years in a row, and finally, it feels like it happened. What's that Tom Cruise movie, um, Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat? <laughs> yeah. That that was me on the Tom Brady hill, dying over and over and over again, waiting for the hashtag gradual uh, decline. And it did eventually happen, um, and it changes everything, obviously, in the AFC East. And as a Jets fan who suffered for you know 20 straight years, uh, under this regime, uh, it is so exciting to think that things will finally change. Now, are the Jets ready to make a big run in the division? Probably not. But it's also now, and this is something, if you're a fan of a different team outside the division, you would kind of take for granted. But in the AFC East, if you're a non-Patriots fan, it's just done. I mean, if you're unless your team's going to win 12 or 13 games, you don't even you're not going to come within three or four games of the division. In a, any other division. Every once in a while, nine to seven gets you in, and you win seven, the division. Seven eight one can win you a division. seven eight ones. At the, I mean, in the AFC East, it's been a, a complete uh, domination, and obviously, all the credit in the world goes to New England for being able to build such a sustainable dynasty. But yeah, I'm so thrilled about it, and I kind of love how it ended as well because I thought the Patriots, and specifically Bill Belichick, handled it very poorly. And uh, yes, it is time for them to um, you know sit back. Way, way, way in the back of the NFL bus for about seven decades. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned how Belichick handled it. See, I actually think 
this is my I don't know if this is even a conspiracy theory because I think you can just read the tea leaves and sort of find it. But I don't think this is the message that's being put out there. I think Bill Belichick is on the hashtag gradual decline island with you and that he told this is I, I don't know if this is true. I mean, like we can, you know, Bill Belichick would have to confirm it. I don't think anybody other than Bill Belichick himself, maybe Nick Casario and maybe Tom Brady could confirm it. I think he told Tom Brady, no, thanks, bro. And but they also I think the Patriots between Kraft and Belichick were willing to let Brady make it look like Brady was leaving. And I think Brady wanted to spin it that way. So that way it wasn't treated as like Tom Brady's been tossed out of New England. Where is he going to find a instead? It was like, who will pick up Tom Brady now that, you know, now that he's spurned New England? Don't you I mean, don't you feel like it was sold a different way maybe than how it happened? I think they did try to spin it that way. And the fact that they never made an offer uh, to me is a smoking gun. And they, uh, the wording, I don't know if it was craft. I'm trying to re- remember exactly, but Tom never came to us. Well, you should go to Tom. And I, and I think that, um, if you're serious about wanting him still in your building, and I think that's what really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And my ATN podcast colleague, Greg Rosenthal is a Patriots fan. He always thinks that I'm just trying to rub salt in the wound, but I honestly do feel like I get it. Part of the reason the Pats have been so successful is that Bill Belichick uh, does not catch feelings for his veterans, and yeah. uh, and he moves on when he feels like it's the right time to move on, and that is a very effective way to do business, as we've seen, uh, but you don't treat Tom Brady like Deion Branch or Chandler Jones or Deion Lewis. That, to me, is such a lack of respect, and, and I just I think back to um, all the other players in the history of the NFL, not many get to finish their career in the same place. But if there was one guy who should have been able to do it, it was Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever that gave everything for that organization and represented it with class for two decades to kind of kick him out the door. And that's really what this came down to. To me, spoke spoke volumes about Belichick, uh, that absolute greatest football mind ever, one of the best ever. But just the way he is as, as a person and as a personality – I, there's a lack of loyalty there that I, I call uh, on the show La Raville Magnifico, the great <laughs> reveal. Well, I, I mean, I think that, that's a there's a great point to it because like you remember when Peyton Manning was and he wasn't even not asked back. He was straight up cut by the Colts. The Colts released him and Jim Irsay still had a tearful, huge press conference, pomp and circumstance. Like even though we're knifing you in the back, Peyton, for the younger guy who, by the way, turned out not to be as good over the next three or four years as Peyton Manning. That's either here nor there. Like, it, you know, they still had that big party for Peyton and, the, and there was none of that, um, for Tom Brady. How did you think Tom Brady handled going to, so like, all right. With that, well, let me just – can I just – since you brought up the Colts, because Peyton Manning and Tom Brady will always be tied together for obvious reasons. And, yes, the Colts parted ways with the guy that they – they he essentially – he changed the skyline in Indianapolis, it was famously said. But Andrew Luck was viewed as a once-in-a-generation type quarterback. They had the number one pick. Uh, Manning was 37-38 with a career-threatening neck injury. It or made sur- sense. For surgeries. Yes, it it made sense. There was logic to it. Um, when Joe Montana left San Francisco, you had a guy that had a Hall of Fame level talent right behind him in Steve Young. That made sense. But what is Tom Brady? The mm. Patriots are moving on from Brady for Jared Stidham. And I know, I know he had a great preseason last year. And wow, he was amazing in all those OTA first team reps he took. But there is a very big difference between the way the Patriots handled it with their legend and the way the 49ers did with Montana 
and the way the Colts did with Manning. And, and throw uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers in there too. You know, like, like listen, we got a guy we drafted in the first round. We think he's going to be another a example. Stuck. That's different. Like, yeah. That's business. That's and I understand there could still be hurt feelings, and Brett Favre certainly was stung by how that ended. But you couldn't argue with the Packers the way they went about it with Belichick. And I, I won't totally like craft off the hook here, but Belichick and Kraft and the Patriots regime, it was clear they were just kind of ready to say goodbye. And it's like, we don't want to, we don't want to risk you being terrible with us. And, and since this is a business, we are moving on and, and didn't have really a solid plan behind him, which made it seem a little bit more cold to me. Uh, you know, Joe Montana actually kind of agrees with you. He said, uh, telling USA Today Sports, I don't know what's going on inside there, but somebody made a mistake. I think when you look at the whole situation, you try to figure out how you want to get away from things that are there. I had a different story where they had made a decision. He obviously, they never would have gotten rid of. I still don't understand. Joe, Joe Montana needs to be more eloquent. It bothers me. <laughs> I still don't understand how New England let him go away. I don't understand that. I think it's going to be fun for him probably for the first time in a long time. He'll be having fun if I understand what he's been saying or what I've been reading. Joe Montana locked in on this situation. Uh, but, I mean, like, he does at least agree with you, and I think that's a fair point. Like, it, it almost feels – does it make you feel sympathetic for Tom Brady? I do have sympathy for Brady um, on, on some coming? level. On some level, on some level, because I do think the way the team handled it was poor. And if you've been reading all the stories, all the Seth Wickersham bangers over at ESPN, <laughs> uh, there was a sense um, – Potentially that Brady felt like he was left hung out to dry during Deflategate, uh, and the fact that he signed a lot of uh, below market deals uh, when he was putting up the you know the greatest career ever as a quarterback that he gave up he gave a lot for that franchise and and he had he didn't really get any loyalty in the back end so I I think he's handled this with class and I think that um, you know the one thing that jumped out to me I think Peter King wrote about it in his column last week, that he was interested, Brady, in going to the Colts, which made so much sense because I think I think he wanted to go the Brett Favre route. Um, you know, well, Favre got the one year at the Jets, but he always wanted to get back to, to uh, get a shot at the Packers. The, the FU, I'm coming back to take you out move, yeah. I think that absolutely would have been Brady's uh, uh, goal, but I think the geography of the Chargers made it not make sense in the AFC, and the Colts went with Phil Rivers. They never offered him a contract. Uh, Brady, and so he took the next best deal, which was the Bucks, or maybe the only other deal. Yeah, and I think too, like to me, and I've mentioned this a bunch, but I don't want to belabor it. But like, I, I do think that if you look at what his the way he's handled advertising deals and sponsorships, uh, he has UGGs and he has Under Armour, notably that he's like a he's a has equity stake in, right? Like he's not mm-hmm. he doesn't get paid half a million dollars and then just like wear UGGs. He has equity in there, and I think he wanted a partnership at the football level too. Like I think that's, and Bruce Arians gave him that. Bruce Arians is like, yeah, we'll drink, yeah, we'll drink beer and wear Kangles. And <laughs> exactly. We'll, like do our, you know, we'll, we'll talk offense and shoot the bleep, you know, like I, just, I feel like that sold him, like the idea that he can come in and work on the offense and work on the personnel. And Belichick is never going to give that to him, in, in, at least in terms of that high level of control. And we've heard that um, Brady at this stage of his career with the MVPs and the Super Bowls and all the records, that maybe at this stage of his life he needs one more challenge and he was, he was kind of done with uh, being under Belichick's thumb. So it kind of it makes sense, and I get it, um, if people are saying that Brady should have some uh, – you should give Brady some crap about how this ended in New England also because maybe Brady wasn't really trying to get back there either. And I, and I get that um, because it does make sense that he gets to go down there, play with a, a famous players coach in Bruce Arians, 
be be the man and have better skill players around him and just have some fun. And this is how it ends in his career, hopefully for Brady, with more success. Uh, otherwise, it, Belichick's going to be made to look very smart for how it goes if he plays poorly. If they go five and eleven, Belichick looks like a genius. Yes, he does. Um, do you think can the outcome of this season in any way diminish the goat fact, the goat status of either Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? I would say no for Brady because we've seen it a hundred times with all-time great quarterbacks who kind of don't want to quit, so they hang around even if they have to go somewhere, and then you kind of eventually forget about. That last stop and Michael Jordan in the NBA is the most famous example of that. Who thinks of the Wizards anymore? Um, but yeah, I, for Belichick, I think it could hurt his legacy if, if the Patriots end up being poor, uh, immediately after Brady leaves and, and Brady thrives because I think it would feed into that question. It's that great chicken and the egg debate, yeah. chicken or the egg debate of all time. Brady, Belichick, who's really responsible for the dynasty. If Brady has great years still in him and he's out, out the door and the Patriots just become another team, I don't think it will change the way people view Belichick too much, but I think it will it will put a little doubt in people's minds about whether Belichick could have pulled this off if he didn't have that guy. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think either one will ever fall from the level of greatest of all time. Like Belichick has cemented it because he has so many championships. Same with right. Brady. Brady's never going to like, like be slowed down to the point where Montana re leapfrogs him because I mean, he just has too many rings. But right. I, I agree. Like if Belichick's 2020 Patriots are the third best team in the AFC East, that and Tom Brady is like hoisting the Super Bowl in his home stadium. <laughs> like that's a, that's not a, that's not a great look, uh, for, for Billy Belichick. We will, um, like, do you think, do you think he's, I mean, do you think Belichick is stubbornly like do, like, do you think there's some bitterness left over from the Jimmy Garoppolo thing? Do you think he's, do you think he wants to prove that he can win without Brady? Cause this doesn't feel like you look at this roster and you're like, and again, like the Jared Stidham thing matters and you look at this roster as a whole, you're like, this ain't it. Like Bill, this ain't it. Unless, unless right. you're seeing something we're not seeing, which is possible. Cause you know, you saw Tom Brady and we didn't, but like, unless you're, unless you're seeing something we're not seeing, this is, this is not the path. This is not the move you want to be making. You should have signed Tom Brady for one more year. Yeah, I think Brady uh, Belichick certainly sees this as a great late late career challenge of his own now. And I do remember in that Wickersham big piece, the expose three years ago, I think it was yeah. now, that with the Jimmy Garoppolo drama, the reason Belichick was torn up about the trade was because that was he saw him as the guy that would allow him to go to the next phase of his career and and show that he could continue to keep the Patriots a top of the league type contender uh, after Tom Brady went away, but. Tom Brady messed all that up just by being unlike any quarterback ever and staying elite deep into or early into his 40s and just changed the trajectory of that organization. You wonder, you would never give up the Super Bowls, obviously. I think they went before this year, they had gone to three straight. Um, but would the Patriots, as in a, in a long-term view, would they have been better off if Brady kind of went downhill in his late 30s and then Garoppolo was there for the next 10, 12 years. Now, some people are going to say Garoppolo was exposed a little bit this year and maybe isn't that good, but I'm not so much on that corner anyway. I think Belichick basically is he's playing from a de- deficit here because now he's he just needs Jared Stidham to be good unless he has an ace up his sleeve and Cam Newton or something is coming to town. Because uh, if the quarterback can't play, and trust me, I know this as a Jets fan, if you don't have a quarterback that can play, you don't have a chance. I mean, you're eight and eight at best 
and you're one of the worst teams in the league at worst. Well, uh, you mentioned the Jets. Uh, how about we uh, coming up after the break? Dan will explain to you. Dan and I will explain to you which team, whether it's the Jets or the Bills or maybe the Dolphins, that's poised to take over the throne for the Patriots. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so with Tom Brady out of town, professional segue, professional tease, by the way. Yeah, I like that. That was excellent. Devo's been, uh, that's what, De- that's what I'm spending my free time in this quarantine on, working on my teases. <laughs> for hours and hours, you're right, you're right, pounding on the door, asking for help with the kids. I'm working on my teases! I'm doing my teases, damn it! <laughs> you can walk the dog! <laughs> it's something to kill the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think dogs, for- by the way, dogs, another big winner, uh, for, uh, COVID-19. Absolutely. I don't know how it is in your house, but in a lot of homes in America, the dog has to spend a lot of time by itself uh, when people are at school and work. Now the dog is just a party all the time. My dog, my, dog, my dog, we like we use to walking the dog. In fact, I just heard the door slam. Uh, it's in the mudroom next to my office. I heard the door slam as my wife is taking the dog and my son. It's like this effing kids in his pajamas. We have to get him out and, and, and out of the house. I know. Let's walk the dog. So they'll walk the dog around the block. He'll be on a scooter. Uh, we use the dog walk as an excuse to get out of the house. And so therefore, George, uh, it gets like three walks a day. And then he spends <laughs> literally the rest of the day napping on his bed, um, uh, that my, my, uh, uncle, my mom, my, 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 uh, my wife's mom's uncle gave him for Christmas, gave him a Serta dog bed. Oh, Found wow. A, I didn't get a hit. My, my, my mother-in-law shows up. She goes, uh, sorry, Brinson, you're not getting a present this year. Uncle Doug is uh, giving George one instead. I was like, uh, okay, whatever. She pulls out this Serta dog bed. It's unbelievable. Total underrated move, and, and bravo to you. I love when dogs have uh, traditionally human names. George. George yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, I enjoy that. Also, I, is, it a, is it a southern thing? What is a mudroom? I've never heard that before. Uh, so it's like off of our kitchen we have a room where you can hang coats, and like you come in from – like if it's uh if it's muddy, you come in and kick your shoes off and, and that a way like mud room. A mud room, yeah. Wow. That it is might see, that's something. beautiful. That's it's like, also, well I was just saying it helps it helps to uh to not live in a sprawling metropolis where you know your square footage <laughs> is like you know, your price is real jacked up, you know. I would give anything for a mud room. Um that's like when I went I you know, grew up in New York outside the city and then went to school up in Boston. And then I had a roommate who was a Massachusetts guy who said, uh, I got to get, I'm thirsty. I got to go to the bubbler. And I was like, what? The bubbler? Yeah, I go to the bubbler. And then I'm like, what is that? And that was the water fountain. What the, what? We had bubblers in college, but I mean, I don't know. We didn't do, I don't think it was the same thing. Bubbler uh, was new to me as well. I, I definitely never heard bubbler. All right. So, <laughs> 
very on point for this podcast too to brag about a tease and then divert immediately to <laughs> something else. Uh, the AFC East theoretically wide open. I mean, like, do you feel confident? How uh, scale of one to ten? What's your confidence level that someone other than the Patriots will win the division this year? I would say one to ten. Let's say six and a half. So there's a there's about a four and a half specter of Belichick lingering. Yes, <laughs> I think that even though that Patriots roster is not great, I mean the defense is good, um, but not great. The offense, what we saw three last and a half. year, I did bad math there. I said four uh, and a half. That's three. Well, and I didn't I didn't catch it because I'm worse at math. Um, but the offense had all sorts of issues last year, and they didn't make any play uh, to bring in um, playmakers in the early part of free agency. Um, it's going to be very difficult, I would think, for the Patriots to cruise to a division title. But I, out of respect for Belichick, you just get the feeling, not that he's a guy that ever would lack motiv- motivation as a head coach, because I think he just lives and breathes this stuff. Um, but if he's ever wanted, if there was ever a year where he wanted to win, you know, 11 games, this is probably it. And um, I just wouldn't doubt them coming out of the draft with a great class and then taking what he has and um, whether it's Stidham or Brian Hoyer or whomever and still finding a way to be the best team in the AFC East. But I think that is also – that's only one part of it. I, I don't see any way where the Patriots are a Super Bowl contender next year, and that's what it's become. Um, I know you're a big Yankees fan, Will, uh, <laughs> during – during the George Steinbrenner era, and especially during the 90s into the 2000s, there was something internally known as the Steinbrenner Doctrine, which was anything less than a World Series championship was considered yeah. failure. And that is what the, where the Patriots are now. Do they calibrate that now? Does that change immediately? I know where it won't change. The fans are going to still expect 12 and 4, 13 and 3. It's going to be a really rocky time of transition, but I also don't think they go in the tank this year, and the one team that everyone is picking, which is the Bills, I think they're going to be the popular pick because they were on the rise last year, um, and they played New England tight both times last year, and they've been active in free agency and the Stefan Diggs trade uh, addressed the need. But how many times have we seen it? Will a team that hypothetically is supposed to take the leap uh, takes a step back, especially with a quarterback where you're not sure really where he's at. So I'm just not ready to crown the Bills as the team that's just going to march up and take control of the division. The Jets and the Dolphins, total wild cards at this point. Yeah, the Bills are getting 89% of the money is being placed, according this according to our friends and partners at William Hill. Partners? Uh, yeah, we partnered. You know that, right? Like CBS partnered with William Hill. I see the $100 bills sticking out behind the, in the dresser behind you in the drawer, so it must be going well. Yeah, I didn't partner with William Hill. I wish I wish I had. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I I'm sure that they maybe wish that they'd gotten a heads up on the sports situation as it yeah. relates to the future sporting events before that happened. But you know what? What are you going to do? By the way, I, what about this crazy theory? Bill Belichick is and Jason Lock and Four had just had floated that he thinks Bill Belichick's more about 2021 than 2020. But it occurred to me over the last like 48 hours. What about this? Bill Belichick is under the under the belief and impression that football won't be played in 2020. And so he is quasi tanking <laughs> to get a really high draft pick in 2021 because it's either going to be a shortened season or the season won't be played at all. He's that far ahead of the curve 
And so he's not worried about the quarterback. He's kind of going to tank and end up with a great draft pick in a, in a shortened season. What do you think about that? Wait, you're, so you're saying this is COVID-19 connected? Yes. Bill Belichick is that So far he has ahead. a guy – well, I do know he's a Trump guy, right, because he was all down about going down to the White House and everything? I but, do believe that he is friends with the President of the United States of America, yes. All right, so maybe if you want to give this uh, conspiracy theory some credence, which I love, I, I could totally see – Trump getting on the horn and talking to Belichick and giving him some insider trading on this situation. Insider info. Uh, that yeah. is that is not a not a political statement. Simply an extenuation of a conspiracy theory. Yes, that's all. You're listening. That's all. Um, we, we, you can't Way talk about Goodell. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, but no, I mean, listen, Belichick. He's a crafty guy. But to say that he is working on the assumption that there's no season coming, that is pretty wild because I don't think anybody knows, uh, getting back to our original um, line of uh, conversation at the top of the show, nobody knows what's happening here. So that would be quite a big assumption just to think that 2020 is not happening. What a horrible thought. Well, if you want to look at something, a really sneaky uh, COVID-19 related move, by the way, look at what, uh, this is my another conspiracy theory by me, look at what Georgia Tech did in college basketball. I think it was March 3rd, they pulled out, they, they announced, they're like, we are withdrawing our appeal of the NCAA sanctions <laughs> and we're imposing everything right now. And it's like, you go and look at the New York Times headline. Maybe it was like, it was late February, I guess. You go and look yeah. at like the New York Times headline. It was like, co- like Corona outbreak in Seattle takes over. And it's like, what if they, they're like, I think they might have been looking far enough ahead where they're like, okay, we might not make the tournament. If we do, there might not be a tournament played. Let's take the penalty now and we'll be back next year. That so, makes sense. There's I mean, logic to that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> back to the Jets. Okay. What, um, or to the Jets in the first place, I guess. What, uh, your power rankings on, uh, NFL network had the Bills eight, the Patriots 16. Look at this. Good job, Debo, in this research. The Jets 20 and the Dolphins 26. I am, I'm surprised at your lack of confidence in your New York Jets. Well, I, I've been happy with Joe Douglas, the general manager so far in free agent agency because what this team he's, has done. He's not Mike McCagnon? Well, he's not, <laughs> he's not Big Mac. So right off the bat, you're, you're flying. He's not John Idzik. Um, sure. but. What the Jets have done, the reason why the Jets have not been in the playoffs since Rex Ryan's second year as coach, uh, dating back to 2010, is because they are on the short list of the worst drafting teams in the league. They they never can hit on a draft. They never bring in um, a lot of talent. Most of the draft classes wash out completely in you know three or four years. And then that what they do then is, well, we need to make a splash of free agency. So they try to sign a guy – uh, a veteran to a big money deal. It almost always blows up and they've just been stuck in this perpetual cycle of bad drafting and then bad free agency signings to make up for the bad drafting. I like that Douglas is a former offensive lineman. He didn't go crazy. I think he did want Jack Conklin who went to the Browns uh, to be their right tackle. Uh, but he also uh, made several signings to basically redo that line, which is, arguably the worst off- offensive line in football. So I like what they've done there. Um, Robbie Anderson getting away. Uh, I know a lot of Jets fans are upset about it. But, again, that was something that Jets teams of the past have made the mistake of overpaying and getting into bidding wars. Uh, Le'Veon Bell last year is an example. 
and they set a price on Robbie Anderson. And when he wanted more than that, they let him walk. They went and got Prashad Perryman at a cheaper rate, gives them more flexibility. But, you know, when it comes down to it, well, like, they just need to hit on a couple drafts. Yeah. I mean, remember, remember the Saints had three straight seven and nine seasons and you kind of was the worst they, defense in football. They were dreadful. And then they had a great draft class, a game changing. Is that the Lattimore draft? I think it was. It was and they, Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, cause they got Ingram. Is Ingram in that uh, class? No, no, no. It was, uh, Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Alvin Kamara, Marcus right. Williams were the four big guys on there. And then once, if you can get a core in one draft class and then you do okay in the following one, all of a sudden you have young players under contract with flat flexibility in your cap. That's where the Jets need to get. And they're not there yet and they have too many holes, but it, so that's why I think it's going to take some time and why I don't think they're a team to, that's going to be an AFC East contender. But I also really do believe in Sam Darnold and think that if they can just get him capable blocking, he can make a big leap, and uh, he would be the, the X factor in them potentially hanging around in 2020 if there is a 2020, because I really do believe if you watch their games, when he gets comfortable and he does not have mystery illnesses and they do block it, do some blocking for him, he's pretty special in some of the things he could do. I, I still think Darnold could be the guy. Um, I, I like. I think Darnold's awesome. I, I felt like he got a raw deal as a rookie. Um, an up and down season. People were, you know, it's, it's the Jets. Like it, it just happens with New York teams. I mean, this is, this is sort of how it goes and it's the nature of the business. Like if he's playing for the Chargers, people aren't focusing in on, on how he plays as much. And then he got mono. He got freaking mono. Like what are you, like, what are you going to do? It's, it's Only just, the Jets. Only right. the Jets. And now the good news is he can't get mono next year. Probably not. Yeah. Could, get mono could get coronavirus. I mean, <laughs> he can, he can, he can everything's in play. Every I never. Day. I know it's a, a perpetual Murphy's law situation with the Jets, so I don't put anything past them. Uh, but the one thing, that, the thing that di- differentiates this Jets team with others in the last decade is that I do think the quarterback is in place. So if he, teams get better very quickly if they have a guy behind center and then just make some smart moves on the roster. That's the hope as a Jets fan that they're not that far away from being a team that could win. Uh, eight to ten games, and then again, like we were saying, in the AFC East, that used to mean nothing. I mean, maybe you get in as a six seed. Now we're like the other divisions. Maybe the rest of the division plays at that level, and you can win a division and get a home game in the playoffs, which the Jets haven't had, Will, since 2002. They That's, have not played a home playoff game in almost 20 years. That is improbable and and just cruel. Uh, so, what what are you hoping for in the draft then? Cause I would think, I, I thought, you know, most of the, they have us doing these mock drafts starting in like February, even for me. And it's like most of the ones you do in February, you have the Jets taking an offensive lineman, like whichever one of the big four offensive linemen fall to him at 11. Then you see what Joe Douglas does in free agency. And, and frankly, Dan, I think it's a smart move to like go out and sign offensive linemen because they're veterans who can play right away and then draft yeah. a wide receiver. And this is a great wide receiver class in 11. There's going to be one of those top three, Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs available. Yeah, I, I see it still as a coin flip, um, either one of those four linemen, and maybe the decision gets made for them. Uh, you're more of a college guy than me, Will, but um, there is a chance I would think that all four of those guys are gone by 11. I know the yeah, Browns are sure. 10, sure. and everybody's connecting the Browns to taking a, a left tackle. Uh, I think they have a little bit of flexibility with what Douglas did in free agency on the offensive line, uh, where they George Fan, I don't know, um, how how excited people should be about 
his ability to be a blindside protector in 2020, but they at least have somebody new that they believe in. Uh, so if they decide that they do not want to go lineman with that first pick or they don't have the choice because those four guys are gone, wide receiver makes so much sense. And I, I, I thought the Prashad Perryman signing was pretty good uh, for a, a second wave of free agency signing. Um, but they certainly need somebody else. They need, they need a real guy, a big playmaker to compliment Jameson Crowder. So I don't think any Jet fan would be upset if they go wide receiver with that pick, but we'll, we'll see what they do it because everything we've been hearing is offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. But wide receiver, again, if the whole goal is in year three for Darnold and all these 2018 first round pick quarterbacks, it's so big. Um, not so much Lamar Jackson, obviously, but Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Darnold, um, such a big year. Give him a big new playmaker on the outside. Give him the better blocking. Let's see if this guy really can make that leap. Uh, so I, I'd be totally cool with that wide receiver at 11 overall. All right. We sort of touched on this question, but it's a mailbag question. Somebody left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it is uh, Ian Roach 77 from Great Britain. I know that the Around the NFL podcast is a big international presence. If you don't listen to the Around the NFL podcast, you're crazy. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, a longtime listener and friends with all these guys, Dan, the host there. Um, and, uh, and also, oddly enough, so like, uh, I texted, uh, Chris Wesley the other day because I was, I, I, you know, he's got a kid on the way. I yes. feel, Dan, I feel for people with, you know, with, with children on the way because, right. you know, it's, it's, it's a very stressful time anyway. And now you double down on it. We, John Breach of our podcast actually has his wife is due in the next couple of weeks. So, so, so th- there's some mirror, there's some mirror yeah. images from the, from the podcast, but you just feel for him, like the anxiety level. Absolutely. Yeah, especially, obviously, especially the mothers to be. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine, uh, both of us have gone through it when your wife is having the first child, especially, and there's all these totally understandable and justifiable anxieties connected to giving birth. And then you have this hanging over you. I don't, I can't even imagine. It. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around it. But the larger point being that, uh, I would, hi- I highly recommend checking out the podcast. If you don't, or if you, you like our show, you should check out their show. If for some reason you're not already listening, but the guy uh, from great, great Britain, Ian wrote 77 of us listen every day. Thank you. Multiple times per day. Sure. Go for it. Oh, Spite wow. the family. <laughs> I know. Well, we have, we do multiple. You, oh yeah. How, what do you think about, uh, you guys are daily <laughs> right now, right? What do you think about that? Uh, we just decided as a challenge, we all have time on our hands. And it, yeah. again, back to what we were talking about, sometimes it's good to have a reason to get away yeah. from everybody. Uh, so we've been doing five days a week. Last week, this week, we're going to kind of reevaluate it because the real challenge, as you know, Will, is going to begin next week when free agency will essentially be pretty much dried up and there's no OTAs. And so the league news-wise is going to die down most likely. You know, then what happens um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun doing it every day and we, and, and the listeners seem to like it. It's a distraction for them as well. So, uh, we might just keep it going. Yeah. We, um, people start uh, June is when people start complaining that you're, they're like, why aren't you talking about football? You're like, it, it's a daily NFL podcast. We're going to have some lulls. Like if you just, just resubscribe in July when training camps start up, if right. you don't want the nonsense talk, um, back to the question. Yes. Easily, we're easily distracted around here. Despite <laughs> the badly run organization, what do you think guys think the Jets need to do to make the playoffs of the next few seasons? Back or sack Darnold, big money defensive player. We, again, we sort of touched on that. It's, I mean, get Darnold some help. Um, I back Darnold and, uh, I think a wide receiver is paramount. Uh, Jerry Judy and, uh, he, like, 
he's better known for his crisp route running and ability to get man separation. Um, yeah, that, tell me, Will. Yeah, is he the guy? Who's the guy the Jets should get if they have I, the choice of anybody? CD Lamb is my number one wide receiver. If you watch him play, Dan, he looks yeah. like I, I, I use this description and people think I'm weird when I do it, but he look you know like when you watch a Cadillac or you drive you're riding a Cadillac down the road and it's mm-hmm. moving very fast, but it doesn't look like it's moving very fast or it doesn't feel right. like it. That's C D Lamb. You're like okay. watching he's like pulling away from guys, you're like, What he's not even running hard. Jerry Judy is more of like he's just gonna torch guys in man coverage and get open underneath. So I think Jerry Judy to me may be a better fit for like an Adam Gay system, the short the short passing game. What's like the NFL comp? Is he like an Antonio Brown type? Ooh. Uh, Calvin Ridley? No, I don't know. I think I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's simplistic. I always go back to uh, when I do an NFL, I, I stink at comps usually. So I always go to uh, your colleague Lance Zierlein's comps to see what he says. His Chad Johnson for C.D. Lamb and huh. for Jerry Judy, he has Santonio Antonio. Santonio Holmes. I don't think I need another Santonio Holmes, but I guess he's not referring to his uh, personality oh, makeup. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, Santonio Holmes is like the like the burner who can go up top, but also and he then Henry Ruggs, uh, your uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who we mentioned. Um, yes, he tweeted out he could see Henry Ruggs going as the first wide receiver taken, and as we know, DJ has some not so tenuous connections to the Jets front. Ah, he's plugged in. He's very plugged in with his boy, Joe Douglas. Yeah. And I, it is good going back to the question Jets fans as, as hurt as they are and um, as perpetually tortured, there has been no movement internally amongst the fan base uh, pinning anything on Darnold. Um, so I think a hundred percent Jets fans still believe in the quarterback. So you, you back Darnold. You, you hit on a couple draft classes, and things could change in a hurry. It is an exciting time. It really is as a Jet fan because you do you get the sense, and this, you know, we'll see because actions speak louder uh, than words and hype and Daniel Jeremiah friendships. But Douglas <laughs> seems to be like the type of dude that will approach this thing from a different perspective. And uh, if Darnold can play like you and I both think, the Jets are going to be in the mix again for the first time in a long time. Yeah, uh, D- Douglas to me has a, like Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott kind of did a blue collar, low key free agency thing and hit on draft picks in Buffalo. That's why, I mean, I think that's why everybody likes the Bills this year. They have a good roster. Um, to me, it feels like Joe Douglas approaches that like a blue collar type of team building mentality where you're going to win through the draft and supplement through free agency. And it's just, you know, like he didn't, I mean, Idzik was terrible, and then McCagnan was obsessed with, like, making up, like you said, making up for these bad drafts, these big, splashy free agent signings, and you just can't run an NFL NFL team like that. Doesn't work. Does not work. At Dan Hansis on Twitter. We'll get you out of here on this one. Give me, uh, you're a, you're a big music aficionado. You do the throwback pod as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not caught up on that, so apologies, but. Well, uh, are you a Pearl Jam guy? Huge pro team, man, of course. All right, we just we just our most recent one with my partner Bob Castrone is versus uh, oh, their ninety, yeah, their oh. ninety three uh, landmark album, the follow up to ten. So if you're a Pearl Jam fan, check out our discussion track by track going through verses. Versus is a is a tremendous album. A lot of underrated songs on, on verses. Yes, very good. Um, yeah. If you had to spin one album, what are, what are you what are you spinning these days while quarantined? Hmm, that really. 
that would depend on like where I'm at because I find myself to be very up and down um, emotionally about what's going on right now. Sometimes I'm optimistic and trying not to get too caught up in it, but then sometimes I get a little bit concerned and I get a little down in the dumps. So I think Radiohead is a good band for this time. Um, if I if I'm in a really worried mood, I'm gonna put on Kid A or OK Computer and just think about the end of the world. And if I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic and hopeful, I'm going to put on In Rainbows, which is my uh, sneaky favorite Radiohead album from 2007. Uh, so let's say Radiohead is the band of the times for me right now. Good. An excellent choice. Uh, Dan Hansis, a multifaceted uh, gentleman. <laughs> hey, Dan, appreciate it, buddy. Always fun. Thank to you, Will. Play.